0: your best version i have here today my good friend jennifer deegan we met years ago at a yoga retreat in panama that was fantastic she leads wonderful retreats all over the world especially in the caribbean and you can learn more about her work at her website Uh, she has 30 years of practice as an educator, counselor, yoga teacher, and somatic-based coach. Life brings her great joy and great challenge. Jennifer is a lifelong learner with the equivalent of two master's degrees. She's a member of Wellspring Institute of Mental Health Advanced Graduate Study Trauma uh, Attachment, and the Embodied Mind is her most recent pursuit. She began the transformative process of her life when she was very young. Her spiritual life opened with the death of a sister when she was only six years old. She had a supportive family and people around her that helped her understand grief, sorrow, hope, and connectedness to something greater, a spiritual connection to the God of her understanding. From the age of three on, she has known this deep connection resides within us and that we have the capacity to use the intimate and profound happiness happy, happenings in our lives for the greater good. Since this experience, she has transformed and grown from other life experiences. She was dropped at the age of 11 on her back during an outward bound program and carried off on a stretcher. That trust fall gone south only made her dig deeper into her capacity to push through pain, debilitation and challenge, and find new ways to discover hope. The experience of being dropped was only the beginning. She has since suffered brain trauma and surgery, multiple losses and falls that keep her getting back up again, curious and aware that caring for ourselves is an important and necessary job to undertake as we never know what will throw you back, literally. She takes her practice of life seriously. Hope, persistence, deep love and connections are a starting place for her yoga and meditation practice. She encourages all of her clients to find their authentic voice. It is from this core source that we gain the most inspiration. Learn more about Jennifer Deegan at mindbodyawareness.net and Restoring Resiliency Club Welcome, Jennifer. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> yes, you have a very, very impressive resume of um, challenges overcome and important work that you do to make our lives better.
1: Well, Maria, you inspire me as well. Your story is so beautiful, and that's why we align, and that's why being together in Panama and connecting around what's real really works for connecting, doesn't it? It's those places in our lives that are really hard that help us be more, more vulnerable, more real and kind of undertake, you know, the hard stuff is where we connect even more. So thanks so much for that introduction.
0: Oh, I agree completely. Uh, I mean, oftentimes I go on retreat and I am very present and connect deeply with the people there, but then it's over. But you are one of the people that, uh, whose path I keep crossing willingly and happily. And I'm so happy that we are collaborating and participating jointly in lots of other ventures. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. So Jennifer also had these wonderful talking circles and yoga practices during the pandemic that really elevated my spirit at a very low time in my life. So I thank you for that as well.
1: Thank you, that was, that was really supportive to me just to have that routine of anybody at any time in the noon time of the day to check
0: in, so. Beautiful, yes, indeed. So tell me how you got started in a therapy practice and in yoga and somatic coaching all of these wonderful offerings. How did this line of work start for you.
1: Well, I, I say that I went to college for life balance. So my undergrad degree was in therapeutic recreation, and it was really in you know life learning and recognizing that you know I could heal myself through you know always having balance. And I was inspired in college by Nelson Bowles' book, The Three Boxes of Life. He also w- wrote uh, What Color Is Your Parachute, but. It really sort of was the foundation and the building blocks of like balance really matters. And it probably was on the tails of, you know, having had the grief of my sister and also the being dropped on my back, but also growing up in an alcoholic family. um, You know, I really had to kind of reinvent self-care. And so um, that was the beginning. And then, you know, the journey went onward in terms of the question about, you know, why yoga and and so on. And the easiest way to explain it is I got my master's degree in counseling psychology and I specialized in grieving children. And that really helped me kind of get on the floor and hands and knees and really kind of have my spirit side really talk to young children who were grieving. And then as I grew and I got older, I I really loved um, Carl Rogers' reflective mirror and how the first time in one of my trainings, somebody actually looked at me you know, saw me, heard me. I, I felt like they really could hear for the first time what was going on for me in that presence, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the trajectory that started everything that I had, this recognition that something so simple for all of us, presence, right? Slowing things down and hearing our direct experience felt so good. And then later, uh, Michael Lee in Phoenix Rising offered this um program where we were asked to just kind of be in our bodies in a particular way and I had this aha moment when I was in a forward fold and he was just asking me to kind of notice what was going on and he prompted these questions that allowed me almost to shine the mirror into my tissues and into the sort of emotional energy that was going on and be that same mirror for myself and so I call that the somatic mirror because it was this great opportunity to say, oh, I don't actually have to have someone else present. I can actually be present through this inquiry process in the body. And that set the foundation and the course for all the trauma work and the therapeutic yoga work to recognizing like yoga is really about the inquiry of greater awareness at all these energetic levels. And that's what really opens us to a more fulfilling life. So that led me to becoming really more of an expert in somatic coaching and trauma because I was already sort of had a couple of master's degrees in counseling, but honestly, the best learning I ever did was through the inquiry of my own body.
0: Wow. That is fascinating. We all have, um, various paths and chapters in our lives. And I love that about women having so many choices in this generation to try different things. And another thing you've added uh, to your repertoire is something you call resiliency training or being a resiliency expert. Can you tell our listeners about that?
1: Yeah, of course. So in the long run, you know, what do we all really, really need and want? And that's to really care deeply about our whole selves, like health and wellness, but also emotional wellness, you know, being able to find a place of ease and contentment. And it is, it's something to find these days. It's not sort of natural for everybody. So many people are anxious and depressed or really overwhelmed or very exhausted. And so, My query took me into this place of the uh, parasympathetic nervous system, understanding how to take people quickly out of the fight-flight response into a much more relaxed state and have it be something that they could grow. And so through the resiliency lens, we have these six pillars that we can really foster that are already available to us in terms of, you know, trusting in our momentum to kind of tap into these areas Mm -hmm. but sustainability is being able to like keep practicing it and keep being present with these pillars and how they all work together to help us grow more fulfilling lives so for instance vision like if we don't have a vision and we don't know where we're headed and we don't sort of have that possibility or that wider view with intentionality and consciousness we really are kind of waffling around unconsciously and just kind of going about our days and we get up and we go, go do the same things. We don't know why we're exhausted because we really didn't intend anything else. So that's, you know, vision is one of those pillars. The second pillar is composure. Like everybody has difficulty regulating their moods now and then, right? Whether it's a, for, because of our cycles, because we're so stressed or because we're in conflict with another human being you know, the one thing we really need to know how to do is to recognize like we get activated by our family members or we get activated by um, something, some kind of change in our life that we didn't expect. And so real resiliency is being able to be able to kind of come back to a place of balance in the state in when in present with something that's surprising or activating or hard. And so that's like the second pillar, I could go through all of them. But you know, vision and composure and being able to be in good health, they all relate. And then there are three more, you know, if you wanted me to say them.
0: (laughs) Sure, why don't you just say that what they are?
1: Yeah, Yeah. so there's, um, you know, connectedness, which is number four, and being able to creatively problem solve instead of being so analysis oriented. So creatively problem in the face of one of the biggest challenges is another pillar. And then the last one is persistence and tenacity. Being able to really strengthen and power up for something that you really have to give a lot of gumption to in order to complete it or to get through it in life um, because you care deeply about it.
0: Boy, I wish that that was a regular part of the curriculum at every high school. Like, why are we not teaching these skills? They're so important. So important. I feel like I really just learned them in my 50s. So thank you for providing this service. And I know meditation is a really big part of your life. And on your website, you talk about Insight Timer and the Headspace app as being good resources let tell us about your meditation practice and um, why you do it and what it does for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, in the last year, because I'm studying at the Elias School with um, Ashley Sargent and Meg McCracken, we've gotten really much more into these subtle ways in which the meditation practice can be even more supportive. So, lately. This yoga nidra practice, which is a lying down practice that is a progressive relaxation technique is really the biggest game changer for my practice and many of my colleagues that helps us to kind of come into like a hypnagogic state in order to be between like a rest and digest place where you're almost asleep, but you're really awake. It's kind of this floating state. And as we repeat that practice, it's kind of like when you fine-tune a guitar um, piece that you're doing, you become more fine-tuned with your own sensory system to relax. And every time you go back to the practice, you're like, oh, I can let go a little bit more. So it is a foundation for the composure pillar that I'm talking about where, you know, when something activates us, now we have an inner resource that says, oh, I know how to relax a little bit. I know that this is not a fire. I do not need to run. Um, Nobody's attacking me. It just feels uncomfortable. Mm Yeah. Yeah. So this being able to have a practice to support those daily lives is considered like a macro practice. And then the sitting practice of just learning belly breathing upright and the foundation of sitting has been super powerful also for a lot of the clients I work with. We use it to just really ground align, recognize we're reasonably safe and really start to tune in because I think we have these ideas that we're supposed to know how to breathe, you know, that we,
0: you know, and we all have
1: shallow breath when we're stressed, you know, and so it makes it a little easier to set up in a place of comfort and just be present Mm -hmm. rather than just sort of have these expectations that we're going to sit, relax, and it's gonna be great because our thoughts all kick up and everybody knows that. But we need to kind of come into the practice with a, a lot of compassion and recognition that we we don't always feel like things are safe. Think about what it feels like just to go out in a car when you had to put a mask on. You know, you yes. you had this one extra thing to do and you're like, oh, did I forget that? That just adds so much complexity to our lives. And so our system is still kind of trying to settle and so, just practicing grounding and belly breathing and doing like a lot of sort of setting up of the sitting is a really powerful practice for, you know, a foundation and gives us like a really one degree shift that we can do that is really helpful.
0: Mm, that's so true. I think that a big shift in midlife for me has been the recognition that happiness is much more akin to contentedness and serenity versus adrenaline rush and partying, uh, which governed my youth. And so all of the things you've talked about so far are more, I think, akin to a longer lasting sense of self and calm.
1: Yeah, so true. And so important to talk about that, you know, the Oxytocin from the rest and digest practice, which is a hormone that really has a sweetness to it, is very different than the dopamine rush of looking at your phone. And so we are kind of set up to be addicted to these, you know, square boxes. And so we have to stand back and say we have choice. You know, like turn it off. Do we really want to go barefoot in the grass and be present with nature? and just know like we're being called in by like dopamine and it's, you know, we are being marketed to. So it's we have to intelligent about it. Right? And
0: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. So my favorite question for all our guests is what do you do to become your best version, whether on a macro or a micro level, whether it's daily or every once in a while or just today?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, yoga is my medicine and it's, you know, whether it's an asana practice or a yin practice um, or a deep heart practice, um, it helps me to regulate my mood, uh, to start my day off with some circulation and intentionality. Um, And it helps me start my day much more inward and you know, in order to, you know, cause we wake up and we might feel a little foggy and it really just helps orient me to my day. And I can see the difference when I don't have either a walk, a meditation or a yoga practice. I, I find that my day goes differently. Like I said, I have no vision. <laughs> I don't know where I'm headed. I'm kind of walking around in the dark and <clears throat> um, my coffee just won't do it all alone.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Those are such important centering practices that you espouse. And I have to admit that I use them more when I'm going through a rough patch. And I would like to make that those practices a daily um, part of my routine. So thank you for reminding me of the importance of it. And I would like to be as grounded as you are. So I will recommit to <laughs> incorporating those practices on a daily basis. So um, the next retreat that Jennifer is, has organized is in Costa Rica. And you can find out more about that uh, and doing yoga in the rainforest with us. Um, I just am so hopeful that it's all gonna work out for me to be there again this year. So thank you, Jennifer, for your calm beauty and energy and all the goodness you put out into the world. Thank you for having
1: this podcast and being so brave and courageous and telling your story and really bringing, you know, honesty and authenticity out into the world. It really, it, it opens my heart to know that you're doing this work so courageously.
0: So thanks. Thank you, Jennifer. And come back next week for another interview and more tips on becoming your best version.